McHale, a North Carolina songwriter and storyteller. I'd like to welcome you to Episode 1 of Real America History. Today, we're going to talk about the first national love triangle murder mystery in the United States. It took place in Happy Valley, which lies between the Wilkesboro Reservoir and the Patterson community in the North Carolina foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The main events took place in the Elkville community near today's Ferguson and just 15 miles west of Wilkesboro. I've been fortunate to meet many of the kind and hospitable residents of these communities, as well as authors, historians, descendants, and genealogists that have offered a wealth of information that has helped complement other technical resources such as court records, maps, historic newspaper articles, and field research at important geographical locations. You may remember a band called the Kingston Trio from the 1950s that popularized a version of the Ballad of Tom Dooley. The song reached the top 40 in October of 1958 and went on the next year to reach number one on the Billboard charts, taking this North Carolina legend into the hearts and homes of people all over the world. There have been books, songs, stories, and films that have survived this 150-year-plus legend with a wide range of opinions and facts. Research continues today with authors and folklorists trying their hand at putting together some of the stories and myths about this legend. Families indigenous to the region have passed down stories from generation to generation, adding to the mystery of the lives of these young people involved in this great legend. I'd like to start by mentioning the key people in this story. Tom Dooley, from the Elkville community, now absorbed by the Ferguson community, just west of Wilkesboro. Tom's father passed away when he was 10 years old. He was raised by his mother, Mary Dooley. He was the youngest of six children. He had two brothers and three sisters. In the Civil War, he served in the 42nd North Carolina Infantry Regiment. Ann Foster, also from Elkville and considered to be unusually attractive and very close to Tom since their early teenage years. Her father was Francis Triplett, however she took her mother's maiden name of Foster. Laura Foster, Lori in the local vernacular, a cousin of Ann Foster from Western Happy Valley, lived about five miles from the Dooley residence. Lori lived with her father, Wilson Foster, who was a tenant farmer on the Jones farm and also a blacksmith. Pauline Foster, pronounced Perline or Perline, from Watauga County, cousin of Ann and Lori Foster, and second cousin of Tom Dooley. Carlotta Foster, known as Lottie, was Ann Foster's mother. She had married Francis Triplett, in 1840. His whereabouts were unknown after 1849. James Melton, a successful farmer and cobbler, served in the same regiment in the Civil War that Colonel Zebulon Vance commanded, the 26th North Carolina Regiment. Dr. George Nicholas Carter, 
the only doctor in the three-county region. Lieutenant Colonel James Grayson, a Union soldier living near Trade, Tennessee. Zebulon Vance, twice governor of North Carolina, removed by the Union after the Civil War. He was re-elected in 1876 and served in the Senate from 1879 to 1894. And now for the story. Tom Dooley was considered to be very close to Ann Foster since the age of 11. They lived just a little over a half of mile from each other. Ann was two years older than Tom. They were considered to be inseparable at times, and as time passed, Ann's mother, Lottie, became concerned of the seriousness of their relationship. It was normal and customary for girls to be married much younger than today, in their mid-teens at 15 or 16. By law, parties were required to be 16 in North Carolina. However, in the case of pregnancy, a license could be obtained as early as 14. As a result, Lottie was leading the charge for Anne to marry someone with better career prospects than Tom. His main skills were that of a musician and general labor. Lottie's efforts succeeded in Anne marrying James Melton, about six years her senior when she was 16 in 1859. Mr. Melton's property was adjacent to Lottie's on the north side. He was a successful farmer, a carpenter and wagon maker, and also a cobbler. The fact that Anne was married did not seem to deter her relationship with Tom. When the Civil War started, it was expected and nearly mandatory for able-bodied men to join the Confederate Army. Tom's two older brothers, Anne's husband James Melton, and many of the other local men joined and went off to defend their homeland. After James Melton joined the Confederate Army, Tom was often seen with Anne at her home, looking after her and Mr. Melton's absence in the way only Tom could. Tom followed his brothers and these men to war in 1862 and enlisted as a private. He was later promoted to musician in 1864 and then captured near Kinston, North Carolina and sent to prison at Point Lookout, Maryland in March of 65. This was the most notorious Union prison in their system. It was built to house 10,000 people and at its peak it held over 50,000 Confederate soldiers and civilians. 4,000 men were recorded to have died there and nearly 800 from our state of North Carolina. Tom's oldest brother, William, died in this prison and his brother John died in service in 1862 of the measles. On June 11, 1865, two months after the war ended, Tom was released from prison in Maryland and returned home. When Tom came home to Elkville, like many men that survived the war, he was considered a war hero, having served his country well. Tom's handsome appearance and musical talents continued to add to his popularity. Ann Melton still held strong affections for Tom after he came home from the war. Though she was still married to James Melton, 
who also returned. While Tom was at war, Anne's cousin, Lori Foster, turned into a real beauty and caught Tom's eye. Lori and Tom started seeing each other, and over time, their relationship became more serious, though Lori lived five miles to the west with her father, Will Foster. Anne's cousin, Perlene Foster, from neighboring Watauga County, came to Elkville to seek treatment for a contagious illness from the region's only physician, Dr. Carter. Perlene stayed at Anne's house for the summer, working as a domestic to help pay for these medical expenses. The treatment could last up to six weeks and was considered to be very painful and often fatal. Blue Mass, a mercury-based medicine, was the remedy. During this period, Tom and Anne continued their relationship, but as neighbors began to notice Tom's frequent presence at the Melton household, Anne grew concerned and asked Tom to have a relationship with Perlene. This would deflect the neighbor's concerns, but she was unaware of Perlene's contagious condition. Tom is now in a relationship with Anne Foster Melton, Lori Foster, and Perlene Foster. Only Dr. Carter and Perlene knew of her illness. In a fairly short period of time, Tom was showing symptoms of Perlene's illness, and unfortunately, Tom passed this condition on to Lori Foster and Anne. Well, all those in contact with any of these folks came down with the same illness, including Anne's husband, James Melton. During this period, Tom and Lori Foster's relationship had become more serious, and they made plans to leave town and elope to get married. Ann Melton was not happy about Tom's relationship with Lori or their plans. The combination of her jealousy and temper might soon come into play. Ann was one of the most beautiful ladies in the area and had one of the hottest tempers, too. Ann was now sick and suspected her cousin Lori of infecting Tom. Lori Foster borrowed her father's horse on the morning of May 25, 1866, just before daylight and rode five miles to the east to meet Tom. They were going to meet near the old Bates home place, just on the north side of the Stony Fork Road in Elkville. Wilson Foster woke up that morning to find his daughter and horse missing. He tracked the horse's distinctive footprint east and asked neighbors if they knew where Lori and the horse might be. This horse was his most valuable possession next to his daughter. He spoke to several neighbors and then spent the night at Francis Melton's house, just across the reedy branch from James Melton. On Saturday, May 26th, he headed home to find his horse there waiting on him. A search was not immediately initiated. It was thought that Lori ran away. Searches were finally started, and in a few days, rumors started to spread. Tom and a couple of other men were considered people of interest in Lori's disappearance. In consideration of this, Tom decided he would not take a chance on being subjected to any form of vigilante justice. 
so he headed to Tennessee. Tom went nearly 40 miles to Trade, Tennessee, which is about halfway between Boone, North Carolina, and Mountain City, Tennessee. There he worked for Colonel James Grayson under the name of Tom Hall, just long enough to buy a new pair of boots. Tom left and headed west again. Just a few days after Tom left Grayson's farm, authorities came looking for Tom Dooley. After they left, Grayson realized Tom Hall was actually Tom Dooley. There was a large bounty on Tom, about $62. Grayson put together a posse of three men and went out to bring him in. They found Tom soaking his feet in Doe Creek near Pandora, Tennessee, just north of the east end of what is now Watauga Lake. He was comforting the soreness he acquired while wearing the new pair of boots. Tom was close to spending eternity in Tennessee. Two of the three posse members wanted to hang him on the spot. Colonel Grayson convinced them that he was due a fair trial and brought Tom back to the old Wilkes jail in the end of August, 1866. While Tom was in Tennessee, Perlene had been arrested with connection to this crime against her cousin Lori. She had been overheard making statements that connected her to the event. It was determined during her interrogation that she was not involved. However, she did turn state's evidence against her cousin Anne. Just a few days later, in the first days of September 1866, they found Lori Foster's grave on a hill now called Lori Foster Ridge. She was buried in a shallow grave about two and a half feet deep with a woman's handkerchief over her face. She'd been stabbed in the heart with a small Barlow knife, which was a common pocket knife that was carried by nearly everyone. The ridge is just above Reedy Branch. A branch is a lower class of waterway than a creek. The ridge is about 200 yards above the trail to the Dooley cabin and about 500 yards north of the cabin. At the time, the Dooleys lived just above the east bank of Reedy Branch, which is located just west of what is now Bill Horton Road, formerly Reedy Branch Road. Tom was brought back from Tennessee to the old Wilkes jail as Anne was just being admitted and charged as an accessory. Now Tom and Anne are both in the old Wilkes jail. North Carolina Governor Zebulon Vance, deposed by the Union after the Civil War, had commanded the unit that Anne's husband, James Melton, served in the Confederacy. He agreed to use his skills as an attorney to represent Tom and Anne. Governor Vance managed to have the trial move to Statesville, North Carolina, about 35 miles to the south. The prisoners were transferred to the Statesville jail. He also arranged for separate trials for Tom and Anne. Tom was to be tried first. During the course of the first trial, evidence and testimony was presented. There was conflicting testimony and 
Some testimony was not recorded or recorded incorrectly. All of the evidence was circumstantial, no hard evidence, and no witnesses to the crime. In spite of this lack of evidence, Tom was convicted of murder and sentenced to hang. Governor Vance filed an immediate appeal, and nearly a year later, Tom was retried on the same evidence. Many of the previous witnesses did not attend, some due to hardship. Fines were levied up to $80 each against the witnesses that did not appear. Elkville to Statesville was about an eight-hour ride on a wagon, and it was difficult to leave one's responsibilities for several days for what some considered a lost cause. As a result, Tom was convicted again on the same evidence and sentenced to hang. During the nearly two-year period of trials, Tom and Ann were both in jail. On April 30th, the night before Tom's hanging, he wrote a note that said, I declare that I am the only person that had a hand in the murder of Lori Foster. Likely to protect the love of his life, Ann Foster Melton. Tom was transported on a cart that also carried his coffin from the jail to his place of execution. When Tom finally reached the gallows, just south of downtown Statesville, North Carolina, he was able to speak to the crowd of nearly 3,000 people that came to witness this spectacle. This was the first national love triangle murder mystery and the newspapers had spread the word. Tom spoke for about an hour, maintained his innocence, and said, Without the lies sworn against me, I would not be standing here at all. Nearing the end of his speech and life, Tom raised his hand and said, Gentlemen, do you see this hand? Does it tremble? I didn't hurt a hair on that girl's head. Tom was hanged on May 1st, 1868. In time to come, around 1874, just six years later, Ann Foster Melton had a terrible accident on a cart, suffering mortal wounds. On her deathbed, her mother Lottie Foster implored her not to confess or mention Lori Foster's murder or Tom Dooley to her husband or Dr. Carter. Anne was reported to have said, I can feel the flames of hell at my feet. When Dr. Carter came out of Anne's room, he was asked if she said anything about Tom Dooley. He said, I cannot violate my doctor-patient confidence. However, I can tell you that we hanged an innocent man. Anne was reported to have also confessed to the crime to her husband and the famous bluegrass musician Doc Watson's grandmother. Although there are some facts in this legend that are still not known, some buried deep in the ground, in these modern times, Tom Dooley is considered to be innocent. Stay tuned for more episodes on this Tom Dooley legend and others featuring facts and opinions from guest authors and historians. For more information on my music and performance schedule, 
visit www.robmchale.com. Thank you for listening and keeping history alive. Tom Dooley, they'll hang you when that posse tracks you down. There's nowhere you can run where they won't find you out. You didn't kill your lover, that don't matter They'll find you lying in the shallow